I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been, and will always be, about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. This is your Monday Best Bets and our futures look for the week. Joining me as always, the future Jays. Not always. Joe Dallara has been missing the last couple of weeks due to the holidays and then his birthday. He had to go have a birthday party. Uh, and so Joe Dallara is back with us. The worst, most annoying voice possible. Uh, Joe Dallara is back with us. You can find him on Twitter in the Action Network app at Joe Dallara. Jim Turvey also joins me. You can find him on Twitter and in the Action Network app at Turvey Bets. We'll talk about most improved player today, um, mostly because I'm ready to, to fight with Jim over one candidate <laughs> not being eligible, who's not even taking anymore, but we'll give you the best value on a confusing award. Uh, everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. Best place for you to track your picks. You get up to the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. You can we Our live shows stream in the app, so you're going to get notifications if you're like, I want to catch more of these live shows, but I'm always on YouTube. I don't know when you guys are going. Um, if you're in the app and you're just tracking bets, little thing pops up, says we're live and lets you know that we're live. Uh, like on Green Dot Daily, which I'm going to be on on Wednesdays and Thursdays this week. So make sure to check that out. Uh, as well as we'll be doing more live shows for the NBA with the NFL wrapping up once my producers all go into a coma for about three weeks as they try and recover from the NFL playoffs. Speaking of... Um, you should check out the Favorites podcast. You should check out the Action Network podcast. You should check out all those folks because they're having a great NFL playoffs so far, um, for the most part. I'm not going to name names. Stucky. And so, I'm just kidding. Stucky's awesome, but I uh, had to give him a little bit of shit. All right. So, we're going to do best bets for Monday. Big slate for MLK. You know, MLK Day, a day to honor the contributions of Martin Luther King Jr., an important day given uh, how the NBA preaches social responsibility, which is why the NBA elected to place uh, 10 teams on a back-to-back or third and four on this game day. Great job, guys. Just go ahead and punting on all these games because the NFL has two now two games. Just come on, get, get this together. Uh, not a great slate, and the injury statuses, we're in that part of the season where injury statuses are tough. And what I will tell you is that, like, we will continue to make picks the night before based off of the information that we have. But if you're an everyday listener, and thank you for being so, you do need to be very cognizant that like there will be a lot more times when you're going to see our our guys here on buckets buying out of positions, when you're going to see lines move erratically because this is the time of year when everything gets wonky. Um, everybody's banged up. Everybody's hurt. Everybody's just trying to get to the all-star break. Uh, you got about, I would say, it's the 14th. You have another week of what I would consider to be solid NBA basketball 
And then everything goes haywire as everyone starts being like making literally on their, like I've seen guys after games processing losses on their phones, making plans for that, like showing me like being like, I'm going, this is where I'm going for all-star. I'm not like reading over their shoulders, but like they're making plans for all-star. So be cognizant of how things can change very quickly over after this week, things get really wonky before all-star break. All right, it's enough jabbering for me. Let's get to some best bets. Uh, Jim Turvey, what's your best bet for Monday? Yeah, there's a t- uh, you kind of set it up perfectly because there's two teams that I'm on with some injury discussion included, but I'm going to be on the Pelicans and the Thunder, almost certainly. And then I like one total. I like uh, Pacers and Jazz under 249. Okay. Uh, Joe Delera, what are your two bets for Monday? So I'm looking at the same game and I'm looking at the Spurs plus seven and a half and Victor Wembanyama over 29 and a half points plus rebounds. Uh, For me on this Monday, I'm going to be on Lakers Thunder under 238. I will be on the Thunder at any number if SGA plays. Uh, I will be on Bulls money line only versus the Cavaliers. Uh, Spurs Hawks over 246 and a half. And Warriors minus eight. So I have, as always, I have too many best bets, but that's, <laughs> that's what I do. I, I am, I am the, um, I am the lettuce and tomato on the burgers that we make here at Buckets. Like I'm just like the condiments that make it look bigger when it's on commercial than it actually is. Uh, let's start with let's start with Lakers Thunder. It's the the smartest way to go about this. Yeah. So SGA is questionable, not just with like a minor thing. He's questionable with a knee strain, which is, you know, could be concerning. Like if there's an MRI that pops up, he could be out for significant time. And that would, we'd have to, we do an emergency pod on that and react to all that with the, with MVP and everything else. But Jim, give me the read on this uh, Thunder plus one and a half and, and walk me through your injury contingency handicap. Yeah, I think the the injury contingency to to start is perfect because this really is it. We talk all the time about how the books when they open these numbers and there's a player as central as SGA who you could make the cases you know in that five point swing type of player season right now. They they kind of land in the middle. So I if this if she doesn't play, I'm going to be on them. But she if she does play, I'm kind of in your world of like I'm. There's a lot of leeway on this. So right now they're plus one and a half. I'm kind of reading this as the book see him as about a four point player. And so if he plays, uh, it's going to be, you know, right around to pick him, maybe even thunder by a half a point. Um, If he doesn't, I think it will go out to around plus three and a half. Um, I will be taking them either way, though. I have this. um, If if he does play, I have it uh, around Thunder minus six. If he doesn't, I have it still Thunder as as small favorites. Um, This the Laker team again; they are not that good of a team, and it it amazes me that the books keep hanging these opening numbers for them that were able to fade. They they have you know they have popped up and played a couple of decent games um, of late, but this is this is a very paltry offense. This is the Thunder of the type of team that is just going to be able to run the Lakers out of the gym. Um, so I, I really do like this, you know, on almost any sort of way. I just want to wait and see where it lands so that I know which which of these two tacks I'm taking. Do you think this is a halfway number or a full number for, for Shea? I, I think it's a halfway number. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's a halfway number, which is really interesting. So um, there's there's some numbers coming up. But I'm going to try and make this as like narrative as possible. All right. A book posted 
look ahead lines from for MLK Day because it's a major day on the schedule, which is great because we get to compare what did bookmakers think before we had data on this season and what do they think in this moment right now. And the look ahead line on this was Lakers minus four and a half. Okay. So if Shea is out, right, then this looks very weird. Like, how much would you adjust from a full season number from Lakers minus four and a half to now? Uh, because I will just tell you straight up right now that I have the Lakers as significant dogs. Yeah. If this is a full strength matchup, like, oh, 100%. Jim, like, Jim, what do you, do you have a number on this? Yeah, I th- I, th- uh, I think it was six uh, is the okay. number that I have if SGA is full strength. Is what so I the have, Lakers, so the Lakers have been awesome at home, okay? With a normalized home court, I have this at <laughs> normalized. <laughs> like if you just give the, the, the Lakers like normal home court, I have the, the Lakers as eight and a half point underdogs at home. Now, I am not saying that that's like the best accurate number because when you factor in how good LA has been at home – this gets down to the Lakers should be 2.2. And so then if you're like, all right, let's say that Shea is worth six points to the spread because he's that dominant. That's an MVP level adjustment to the spread. So it's a little heavy to be quite honest. Then this is like a halfway number that makes a little bit of sense. This is a three and a half point move from where I would have it. Still, it's like, that's a little bit heavy, honestly. Right. So it's, I I don't think that they, that the thunder are that much worse without Shea. Um, What I do think though, is that, Every indication here is that the Thunder are still not getting the like the Thunder are getting more credit in the market. The Thunder are still not getting enough credit in the market because if this is a halfway number, let's say it's five, right? And so this this would go to um, Lakers minus four. That doesn't make any sense, right? If it's halfway, if we if we push it to two and a half, if, if uh, Shea's out, that wasn't making any sense. Would the Lakers be four point favorites over the Thunder without Shea Gilders Alexander? I don't maybe. But that seems extremely heavy versus like Thunder minus one if we move it two and a half the other way. Okay, maybe. I still think that's light, Joe. Like I still think that that's light based off of the disparity between these two teams regardless of – and I understand the pushback, which is like Shea is their entire team. Their whole offense is built around him. I agree. But no player can be worth that much to the spread. For the for to make this number make sense, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it has to do with right. Like, if we look at the season numbers, OKC was minus five when they played back in November. The then they were minus three and a half when they played in December. Um, so I guess like when you look at that and you say like, all right, well, like both of those games were in OKC, and then we look at this game as being played in LA. Like you said, the Lakers have a tremendous edge in terms of playing at home. I think maybe you can get to that like two point spot, but I, but based on your numbers, you can't like, I think based on the priors that we have, like, sure, this is probably appropriate, but I think that based on the way that your numbers are coming in and the way that you're looking at it, it doesn't really make sense. The one thing that I will say, looking at this and we look at OKC schedule, they play the Lakers and then they play the Clippers looking at where the, the, thunder are in the standings right now i know that a lot of times we talk about saying well it's a lot more important to win the games that you can definitely win and then go and try to win and then like you know if it's a coin flippy game because the next game is against the clippers then maybe you rest against the clippers the only thing that i think is that they don't really match up great with the lakers like i don't love the matchup from a personnel perspective just because of the fact that you have like ad on chat that type of matchup like i don't love it i think that 
OKC might match up a little bit better against the Clippers. So that to them might be like the easier game of the two. Um, So when you look at this, the fact that it's a back-to-back, both games in LA, maybe this is actually the full number of, you know, the plus two, or maybe it'll only go to maybe like a plus three when he's formally ruled out. And I think that might make a little bit more sense um, just based on the fact that when we look at the schedule, I think that, you know, they split so far this season. Um, but I do think that the matchup might be slightly better for them against the Clippers on Tuesday, give Shea that extra day of rest. That That's probably the way that I would look at this. Uh, so I, I think that, that like that's why the line is where it is. I think that for me, like, I don't want, I kind of mentioned that I like it if Shea plays at any number. I don't want it without Shea. It's a letdown spot for the Lakers for sure. For sure. Like, yeah, I, I'm always very big on those letdown spots and how the market overreacts. But I do think that I want Shea just because I'm like, I will feel very confident in OKC after losing to the Lakers in OKC previously. I will very much like OKC with Shea. And I just won't like them as much, like, enough without Shea. Even if I think the number's wrong, Jim, that doesn't mean that I have to bet it. So I'm not going to bet it if Shea doesn't play. Are you going to bet it regardless? I think I will, mostly yeah. because... I think Shea is potentially at that, you know, like you mentioned six point. I I think his level of play is right around that. I mean, he's putting together a, you know, borderline MVP season. But the Thunder to me are among the teams, like when when you look at um, Jokic and the Nuggets, there's not uh, at all a like for like. And there there isn't a like for like for Shea. And like you said, he does drive a lot of their offense, but they have such better depth than a lot of teams. I think that, you know, when we, we talk about, you know, a player goes out, it's, it's, you know, someone gets moved from the bench, but someone gets moved out of the rotation into the rotation. The Thunder can handle those moves a lot better than some other teams when they're missing their stars. So even though Shea is at that six point level, potentially, um, with a roster like the Thunder, I weigh that a tiny bit less. Um, and I think the market still is, is at that point of, of weighing it a little bit more. And really this is, you know, it is kind of market play of, I have the, the market has been low on the Thunder all year and high on the Lakers all year. And, you know, when you get two teams on opposing sides like that, it's always like I picked this out before I saw the line when I was doing prep earlier in the week. I was like, that's that's probably a game I'm be looking at. Now, I don't want you to think I'm coming in here just confirming my my preconceived notions. Um, then the number came out and I, you know, I, I crunched the stuff. I just wanted to make sure to kind of you know take a look at it earlier and, and it didn't need match. So I'm almost certainly going to be on them either way. Um, it would really have to be that, you know, they had been including him as out already and this and you know, the line doesn't really move and then he's out and it's only plus one and a half. I don't see that being the case. Um, yeah. but but that would be the only case in which I, I I'd be hesitant. Um I love the under in this game. I love the under in this game. First off, Lakers home unders are fourteen and seven this season. Um the Lakers, if they win this game, it's probably going to be with defense because they're able to slow down OKC's offense. Because I will say that, like, the biggest kind of thing, if you want to try and knock OKC, is like they've had exceptional shooting luck early this season. They've been, they are one of the highest differentials between location, effective field goal percentage, and actually, I've got this all the way down at 228. So there is like no way I can get here. This is the, the my biggest advantage on the board for an under on the slate. Um, so I'm going to be on the under regardless here. I think it's a great spot for an under. I think OKC's defense, even with – because it, part of it's like Davis can score efficiently, and they still don't seem to go over. Um, here's a corresponding trend, which is 
and this backs up both Jim and my play. Lakers this season at home versus teams over 500 are six and four straight up, four and six against the spread for just 40%. Two of those wins are versus the Clippers, including one when they were a mess early in the season. Um, another was versus the Rockets. Another was versus the shorthanded Magic. And another was versus the Suns. Um, so like, not the even the wins don't project awesome, and the overall mark is not good. Also, Lakers versus teams over five hundred at home, the under is eight and two this season. So I've got a lot of trends there. I like this to be a, a lower scoring game. This is just a, a really high number. I like under two thirty eight and a half. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's go to the New Orleans Pelicans. And uh, again, Jim, g- give us the full injury rundown on this game and uh, and the contingencies for under what conditions you do and do not like Pelicans minus three and a half. For sure. So the Pelicans were without a lot of their guys on Saturday and they actually pulled off a nice little road win um, as pretty significant underdogs in that game. Now all of those guys are back and looking as probable. So not only are they returning a lot of people, but they're returning a lot of people who now have, you know, an extra day of rest in there as well. Um, On the flip side of this, Luca is doubtful right now. Dante Exum is listed out and Derek Lively, who is, you know, he was one of those guys who I targeted um, earlier this season as a guy who who matters maybe a little bit more than than you would imagine for a a rookie center. Who's not a a go-to name. He's listed as questionable. So um, if both teams were full strength. These are two, again, this is two more teams where I've been higher than most on the Pelicans this season. I've been lower than most on the Mavericks this season. So this is already going to be a matchup I'm looking at this way. Um, I If if both teams were fully healthy, uh, I would actually still have the Pelicans favored uh, slightly. I'd probably have it right around to pick them. Um, when you add in, you know, Luca being doubtful, Exum being out, and Lively being questionable, um, if if Lively's out, this takes me to Pell's like my seven and a half, which is kind of a crazy number. Um, mm-hmm. But and then if you, if Luke is officially out, then you know add maybe one one and a half more points there. So I I have this you know far off of from where the, where the market is, with the caveat that Lively and Luca have don't have official reports, and all of those guys on the Pelicans are probable not officially playing. So. It's it's one of those where I'm almost certainly going to be on the Pelicans, but you know maybe one or two of those Pelican guys flip. Luca suddenly is upgraded to questionable. I don't want to bet it this second. I just I'm most likely going to be on the Pelicans in part because of these two teams and where I view them in comparison to how the market sees them. Okay, so this is kind of interesting. Um, the Pelicans I think are very tricky to find the right spot for, right? Yeah. Because. <laughs> Joe's like no yeah, shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, Matt. 
But the the Nuggets game, I think, is a great example of this, right? National TV, real chance to make a showcase performance. They've been playing great. First end of a back-to-back, so, like, you want to get this one. And, like, like Zion literally said, like, yeah, I missed some shots, so I got passive. And you're just like... And, like, Brandon Ingram made some, like, weird play. Like, and they just fell apart. Like, they just fell apart. Now, some of that was also the bench, which has been really good this season. And maybe that's, like, the biggest advantage here is that, like, they can beat up on Dallas's bench, which um, can be volatile at times. Uh, I will say that I've got – I still have this power rated with an edge towards um, Dallas. I think that this is probably projecting that Luke is out. And so yeah. this probably goes to, like – I'm trying to think of, like, what number this goes to if – Luca's in. Like if Luca plays, I think this is projecting an out, right? At three full and a half. Out. Yeah, full out. Like he's doubtful. Has been missed the last couple of games. This definitely seems like he's gonna miss time. Um, or he's gonna be not be here for this game. I don't know what he winds up being. If we give him like the superstar six here, then we're talking about what? Um two and a half here. And I've got that dead on the number for the for where they're at. I would still probably lean a little bit towards Pels there because Derek Lively is so important for them. But they've also been kind of figuring some stuff out. Like that's important to kind of keep in mind here is that the Mavericks are have like weird losses to the Grizzlies and the Pelicans without anybody. But they also have like figured out some stuff without Luca on the floor when Kyrie's been running the show. Um, yeah. It makes me a little bit nervous. I get where you're coming from on this one. I do think that Dallas is not good versus good teams. My only problem is that the Pelicans, when they are good, when they are good, they're the type of team that blows out Dallas. So <laughs> no, that actually, that that leads perfectly. I've, I've gotten written here for my next point. Uh, I like the, the alt lines here as well. Um, okay. The Pelicans have been the king yeah. of blowouts. Like kind of like you just said, and that goes both ways, you know, ever since that big blowout loss to LA, they've gone 12 and five, half of those wins, six of those, 12 well, wins have been by 20 plus points with another one being by 19. If I didn't just choose an arbitrary endpoint. So they really, when they, when they go big, they go big. And, you know, with, if Luca is out, it's, it's not a bad game to kind of fold it in, you know, and, and eat that 32 point loss and kind of you know, move along. And, you know, like we said, it's that point, that time of the season where, you know, that's not the end of the world. So I, I very much like alt lines kind of towards that extreme. Um, I mean, I, I'll be looking at Pelican spread. I probably will still be on it, but I think I really like those alts um, as high as, you know, 20, 25, even 30. So yeah. um, I'll be looking at that a couple ways for sure. Yeah. I uh, One other bet that I like in this game too, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, his um, rebounds line is at nine and a half and you can actually get double, double at plus 110. I don't know how that number is existing, honestly. Like he had 12 boards on 19 chances when they played the other day, like he he's great in like these weird matchups. Like, like Dallas is not like the best rebounding team. Um, and I do think that without Luca, there's less like, or like presumptively without Luca, there's less chance of him like getting into severe foul trouble. I think uh, from somebody like driving in the lane, obviously Kyrie can do it, but I think that, like Kyrie's a lot smaller. Um, so I'm not as concerned there. I think that nine and a half and double, double at plus money. It like, it's just, it's just far too low. I think that is absolutely only a play if Luca's out. Because yeah. if he's in, think about what Luca and Dwight Powell did to the Wolves yeah. with better defensive. Like they got Rudy in foul trouble and Powell went off and it was 
Yeah. Like it was, and like Luca will absolutely pick on JV a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely so. like an interesting, it's definitely like an interesting spot. Um, I will say in the games, like they've played some head to head games this season. He had 10, three and 12 against Dallas. So it's yeah. a little bit like all over the place, but um, I do really like the spot at nine and a half, but I prefer, you may as well grab double, double at plus money. Um, it's, to me, it's the same bet. Like he pretty much is always scoring 10 points. Will you will you remind me on Slack if if Luca's out to bet that I will because I always make these plays and then I'm mad at myself. You're so good. Um, okay, so um, all right, let's go to Spurs and the Atlanta fucking <laughs> Hawks. What a clown show, uh, Joe! You like Spurs plus seven and a half here? Give me the cap uh, if it's more than just we should just fade the Hawks into oblivion right now. It's a little bit of that and also a little bit of like I think. We should- it's a little bit of that. And then it's also like a bit of, I think we should buy the Spurs. Um, look, they, they've, they've been running Trey Jones with the starters and it makes a world of difference. We talked about this. I talked about this like two months ago and I said, why are they not doing this? And now they're finally doing it and it makes them a lot better. And, you know, both teams over the course of the season, they're bottom 10 and adjusted net. But over the last two weeks, the Spurs are actually positive. They're plus 0.4. Atlanta is minus 9.7. So when we look at this and we look at some of the lineups that are going on, this is significantly better for the Spurs team. Um, I think that Wemby, even though he's on the minutes limit, the minutes are more valuable. Um, And a lot of that has to do with the fact that Trey Jones is playing point guard when he's in. And so like you're getting like, a real showing of what Victor can do. And I think that that's so, so significant because you're not seeing him like with somebody that's just not a point guard. And when you're in that circumstance and when you get to see those lineups really being run, you can kind of see a little bit more of the potential for not only Victor, but for the team. And the lineups with Trey Jones and Wemby are actually plus 4.9 over the course of the entire season. Um, So that's a significant uptick for when you consider that the Spurs have been brutal over the whole, like, you know, looking at the entire season. So I do really like this spot for them. Uh, I think that it's just, it's a great way to fade Atlanta. And then the Spurs have just been so bad that everybody's like, no, they stink. They stink. They stink. And then everybody talks about Atlanta. Like uh, they're supposed to be a playoff team, but honestly, like Atlanta probably should just tank. Like they're not good. Uh, Whatever they're doing just isn't really working. And I like this potential for the Spurs in this matchup. And I'll definitely grab seven and a half points here. I don't mean to be hyper cautionary because that's not a way to bet the NBA either. You got to live with some of this. I will say that the tip time for this game is 3.30 Eastern. You should keep a very close, like technically speaking, the Spurs are not going to be a, like they, they would be, it would be frowned upon for them to pull hijinks. Yeah. Even with preseason expectations and everything else, this number doesn't make any sense. Now, the last time that we were like, this number doesn't make any sense. It was when the Thunder were in Atlanta. And I tried to talk Sean Little desperately out of taking OKC because I was like, this line is, 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 there, there is voodoo here. And I am not somebody who believes in trap games because I'm yeah. just like, no, the market just adjusts for whatever. But that was like a nightmare scenario. Um, at seven, I can't get, like, I have no idea. I have a three and a half. I have four points off on this game. So if we get, a, if we get a clear injury report, I will absolutely bet. Spurs here plus seven and a half. Um, yeah. By the way, 
in the Action Network app, we're taking, uh, we see the Spurs taking early sharp money. So there's some sharp signals on that game as well. Um, I love the over in this game, over 246 and a half. So here's a pretty simple one. Uh, did you know that the Hawks defense is fucking garbage? Because it's garbage. <laughs> it's absolute garbage. trash. It's hot, hot. Like, <laughs> not just hot. Right? Like, it, it's not... It's not like a May day where it's warm outside. Like it's, it is early August when everything is brown and stale and the, and it's been sitting there for a long, like that's the level of hot garbage that it is. Uh, I also have a trend on this game for the over, which is that um, the Spurs are one of the top five teams in overs. They're, they're an over season over team this season. Also, when uh, they're among the teams that when facing opponents that allow two plus points per game on average over on the opponent team total. So if you take the opponent team total and the, and the team gives up two plus, and there's not a lot of those, those spots, uh, the over in those spots is 59, 20 and one for 75% this season. Yep. Uh, I have this projected above at two forty eight and a half. It's enough of a clearance for me. So I'll take the over Jimmy you have thoughts on this game. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much with Joe. So I mean, one, one thing to think about here, too, is, you know, when when Jalen Johnson came back, I was actually I was ready to get back on the Hawks. It, I had tapped out of Hawks uh, season. I, I liked them before the season. So I, you know, I started with them a little bit. Didn't start great. Um, then Jalen went out. And they really, really struggled. He came back. I was kind of thinking, OK, let me let me take a look here. Um, hasn't happened. So last two weeks. Uh, they are the second worst um, against the spread differential team in the NBA to the Blazers, according to Clean the Glass. And San Antonio is very much on the other end of that spectrum. They're, this, they're actually a sixth best team. They haven't been amazing. You know, they got the 17th best offense and 17th best defense in that in that two week stretch. But for them, that's a massive improvement. So if you're if you're working off of those rankings, I think it only leans even more towards the the Spurs side of this line yeah. for sure. Uh, two quick ones for me to wrap up. I've got Bulls money line. Uh, Cavs are back from Paris, and I don't like that spot for them. And the Bulls are among the teams. Um, after you play the Nets, teams tend to struggle. I don't know why. I don't have like, I I I think it's that the the Nets. I've talked about this before that the Nets play pretty heavily pace and space, and so you're playing a lot of you're contesting a lot of threes. They offensive rebound a ton. That's a game that's, that's pr- pretty pretty grinding to play against, and so there's been a consistent trend. Uh, teams to play uh, to face the to play after they face the Nets have gone under on straight up. Um, it's just been a bad trend for them, especially when they're in this type of a, this type of a game. Uh, I think the Cavs are a good team, but the Bulls it's a little bit of a bounce back spot, right? Like I just think it's like a little bit of an edge in terms of of where this number has kind of gotten to. Um, so when I've got the Bulls kind of in a nice bounce back spot. Now the Cavs are rested coming off of that uh, Paris trip. So th- not great from that perspective, but it's enough for me to get in on uh, the Bulls on the money line only. I don't want the spread three and a half. Um, I don't want any part of that. I will just take the Bulls on the money line. And to wrap up, uh, I am also going to grab the Warriors minus eight here versus the Grizzlies. So now I make this six. So why would I be on it? Because Desmond Bain's out because the Grizzlies' pets' heads have fallen off, and I think Bane's <laughs> worth at least three points to the spread, which that gets me a nine very easily. That gets an edge on it. And then you have uh, Draymond Green coming back, which, look, Draymond and Steph have lost, the, lost their minutes together. I've hammered that over and over and over again. They are losing the Steph Draymond minutes, which is a catastrophe to the Warriors and is one of the reasons why Sean Strainier reported to everybody's on the block. 
However, you know who they'll get up to play? <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> they hate this team. Everyone hates this team. All those Western Conference teams just want to shut this team up, regardless of the fact that Dylan's gone and Jaw's out, and it's just like Bain and Jaron, who are just like normal NBA players. Those guys don't really talk shit. They will still want to put it on the Grizzlies to make it known. They like beating Memphis. I mean, this goes back to 2015 when they beat the Conley and Gasol Wizard or Grizzlies. So uh, I think they will put this on them. So I'll go ahead and I'll lay the eight with the Warriors. Any objections? No, honestly. Uh, <laughs> little did we know that? Uh, go ahead, Jim. I, I was gonna make a dumb joke. You go first. Now I'll, I'll clean up <laughs> with the joke after. Oh no, I was gonna say, I mean, I don't think the Warriors are very good either, but like the Grizzlies are just halfway they're halfway in the draft at this point. Like they're cooked, they're done. I was just gonna say, little did we know that uh, fine in the West meant that they were fine to get the best pick out of the Western Conference this year. <laughs> uh, for those of you that one more I do have one more pick for the day, Matt, when you're when you're done. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, there will be when Brandon Anderson returns from football hiatus. <laughs> Uh, we will be doing a podcast where we go over our futures bets and he and I will have a long discussion on like, I, I have thought more about our Grizzlies futures than any bet futures <laughs> bet. I think I've ever made with like going over my, like, was it a bad bet? Like I didn't know about Adams. Like, would I, I wouldn't have bet Adam, but like, should I have not betted it? If Adams was that big of a, like, it's, it's going to be a big therapy session uh, in that episode when the, when we do the Grizzlies autopsy, <laughs> uh, what's your last pick Jim? Yeah, I'm looking at the under in Indiana and Utah. Um, I'm going under 249. I'll keep it simple. Um, it's pretty much as simple as a Halliburton play. Uh, these are two for two to the under since he went out. Um, one by 15, the next by 13. Um, I've rattled off on this podcast many times, um, You know his on-off impact on the offense. It's still sitting around eight points uh, per 100 less when he is on the court. The defense is one point better. The shooting numbers are there to support it. Um, it looks like the books are are slowly adjusting, but but not not enough. I know uh, these are two fast paced teams; these are two high scoring teams. Um, but I'm two forty nine is too high a number without Halliburton out there for me. Yeah, my only my only concern would be that if they rest uh, on this back to back because they really did. They put in a pretty strong effort versus Denver. They hung in that game uh, in a pretty tough environment, covered the number. If they rest in this game, they're still going to play super fast. So it's <laughs> just going to be like paid now. Uh, on the other hand, Pacers have actually been really decent defensively over the last two weeks. Like really been, decent. Yeah. Like, they've been giving really good effort, loving our Pacers uh, to make the playoffs bets and over to- win totals there. Um, but that's like my only concern there. I have this on the dot. Like I would definitely lean towards the under because it's like if I have this on the dot and Halliburton's not playing, it's. An, I love that question and I don't know how to quantify it. Like I don't know how, how much you should downgrade a total for when a player is out. Right? How do you how do you quantify yeah. both ends? Um, and honestly, a little bit is like with how Halliburton, their defense is probably a little bit better. It's not entirely yeah. the reason because some of the defensive improvement was with him. But I think like that's an interesting question of like how much do you quantify uh, the total movement with a when a player is out? Yeah, and I mean they just refuse to play like Mather in real minutes and McConnell yeah. real minutes. So it's like they're not helping themselves here. Did, did you have McConnell props? I love McConnell. I love McConnell. I, I will always bet McConnell. But by, by the way, it was really, I just want to mention this. It was really amazing watching uh, the Jokic triple-double watch when I was at the arena <laughs> on Friday for the Pelicans game as Joe is like furiously tweeting about them getting Jokic back on the floor to get his 10th rebound. And like five people behind me in the stadium are like, grab the rebound. <laughs> Like begging, like clearly begging for this triple double. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. 
that'll wrap it up. So to review, uh, Jim's got under Jazz Pacers. Uh, Jim has Pelicans minus three and a half, Thunder plus one and a half, but you're going to want to watch all the contingencies in the app. When are you planning on betting those? I should have asked you that. When are you, like, you're just going to wait till, like, after when we get word and then and then bet in accordance? I'm going to wait pretty late because, like I kind of said, these are two teams, two, two games in which I feel very confident about one team and, and more doubting of the other. So I want, I don't want any injury nonsense. I'm going to wait until pretty late yeah. to play those. Um, and ha- so I have all the information possible and I'm not, okay. I'm not as worried about it moving out of my, my range. If you go in the action network app and you turn on notifications, you will get Jim's bets the minute that he logs them in the app. Make sure to do that. Uh, Joe's got Spurs plus seven and a half and Victor Wamanyama over 29 and a half PRA. Uh, I've got Lakers thunder under 238. Bulls money line, Spurs Hawks over 246.5, Warriors minus eight, and I will probably bet Thunder if SGA plays, depending on what the number goes to. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's talk about most improved player. So there's two there's two awards that are the messiest of of all the awards. Like uh, we're starting to figure out pretty much uh, the MVP stuff. We'll talk about the MVP with Sean on Friday, and we'll kind of go over like Embiid should be back this week, so we'll kind of talk about how to project going forward how many the Embiid situation with games missed. Um, you know, rookie, we know it's two guys. Sorry, Jaime, it's two guys. Um, DPOY, I think, is is still open, but I just think that it's more a matter of, like, how do you not vote for Rudy? Like, what's the case to not vote for Rudy Gobert? All the way down. But most improved in six-man, which we'll do next. I want to do this six-man six next week with these guys. Um, but most improved is, is, I think, still pretty messy in terms of, yes, we have a clear number one at the top and Tyrese Maxey, who is minus 210 at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. We have Alper and Shangun plus 275. We have Kobe White, 15 to 1. Scotty is 16 to 1. Hallie missing games is 25 to 1. That injury hurts there. Uh, Anthony Simons, 80 to 1. Jalen Williams is 80 to 1. Wagner is 80 to 1. Jalen Johnson is also <laughs> uh, 80 to 1. Derek White's 100 to 1. That's an interesting one. Paolo Bancaro, 20 to 200 to 1. Mikhail Bridges, 25, uh, 250 to 1. And Shaden Sharp, 250 to 1. Jim, I'll let you start here. What is your cap on most improved player and like how to sort through all this and, and who is playable and who is not? For sure. So the impetus for this in part was uh, I got I got caught up in the moment watching the Hawks take down the Sixers uh, during the week. Jalen Johnson going 25, 16, and 7 incredible game so i said hey do we need to think about jalen johnson in this conversation um and you said no and i think you are correct i'm here to say i think you are correct mostly because of the games played though i'll I'll give it that caveat so he has he missed um during that stretch he missed 14 games so he can only miss three games the rest of the season um the other factor is you know brandon anderson has talked about this you typically want to get you want to go from you know 
solid rotation player right around to that all-star level. That's like the the kind of key demographic. Jalen Johnson, in part because he is missing time, in part because his team is trash, is not going to be even near that all-star conversation. So I think he when you combine that with the games missed, I do think that I'm fine sitting sitting out on him. There are another there are a couple other long shots that I do think are a little bit more interesting. Um but I want I want to talk about Shingun for a second though because he is one, you know, we got MIP, we got Maxi over the summer with one of the the best reads beforehand and he now is heavy favorite. I I got Scotty, I gave out Scotty on the podcast a couple months ago even gave out Kobe White. I have this almost entirely covered. I was waiting for Shingun to drop a little bit. It has not all. He is absolutely killing it the last month. He's scoring about 26 points a game for the last month. So I, I am at the point where I probably am going to at least get enough that I don't lose money in this market. Because I think this is an award that I really have covered very well. I was hoping that Shingun would either fade away or take a dip and his numbers would drop and I could hop on it then. But he looks like he is his full steam ahead. So um, I want to circle back to some of these long shots, but I'm curious if if you have any Shingun or, or what your thoughts on him in general are. I don't, and it's a shame because I do think that there's probably a better case for LP than there is for almost anybody else. I'll, I'll say this, including Maxi, because like, look, it's not that Maxi's not awesome. He's awesome. He's gonna be an all star. He's great. He's 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 killer. He's so much fun to watch. He's playing next to Embiid. Like he's he is the MV. He is the reigning MVPs. Shouldn't have won. The reigning MVPs <laughs> pick and roll partner. Yeah. <laughs> um, Albert Shangun is the best player on a team contending for a playoff spot. Yeah. Like he is the best player on a squad with multiple veteran guys. One that has won a championship. Um. You have a former number one or number three overall pick in Jabari Smith, a number two overall pick in Jalen Green. Yikes, that guy. Uh, <laughs> you have all of these guys on on roster, and Alvin Shangun is far and away the best player on the team. So, like, I, I do think that there is a degree to which Alvin's case is better. I am trying to imagine a scenario in which the voters elect Shangun over Maxi, And it's like, oh yeah, Alpi's really good without anyone like really looking like, no, Alpi, he's amazing. Like he's, in, he's a hub of the offense and he's great. And he's been so much better defensively, which by the way, I'm going to do a little, little victory lab. Two years ago, I did like an entire breakdown and I was like, Hey, if you don't play extremely soft coverage, Alpi's actually pretty good defensively. He's got quick feet, quick hands, and and can rotate really well. He makes some pretty good defensive plays. People thought I was fucking crazy, and now it's like, oh hey, like when they play actually like a pretty good when they have like good defenders to go over the top of screens, and not Jalen Green and and KPJ. He's pretty good defensively. What do you know, um, Joe? What are your thoughts on Alpi and his chances at plus two seventy five? I like him. I like. I think he's a great player. We've definitely seen the increase in the points per game. It's about like six points, seven points almost per game uh, that he's scoring more than last year. So I think that's obviously significant. My concern, honestly, is that I think that there are other players that are going to get more opportunity to like increase their stats as the season goes on. Um, <clears throat> my concern with Maxi too is we've got a pretty decent sample size of him playing with and without 
Joel Embiid, and he actually sees a decrease in his stats when he's not playing with Embiid, which I think is a problem. Um, it's th- that would normally be the spot where you'd say like, all right, like great, like you can take over a team, uh, and like he does, he's still putting up good numbers, but that would be a chance to like pat his stats, say like I can be a number one, and like really jump if he was like take, making like thirty points a game and like having like eight dimes a game, but instead we see him like drop by a point and a full assist per game without Embiid. Um, the guy that I think has the most value on the board right now is still is actually Scotty Barnes. And he's not somebody that I like think is like the most exciting player. But I think that it sounds like it's inevitable that Pascal Siakam gets moved. Um, that's the way that it seems like that's the way, you know, like that's what we're hearing in the media. It's like Siakam's going to get moved. He's going to get traded, yada, yada, yada. I don't know what the Raptors are going to get back for Siakam. It doesn't really sound like they're going to be getting anything that's necessarily like going to be cutting into Scotty Barnes' usage. Um, And I think that we've seen him. He's got the uptick in points. He's got a six-point uptick. He's got two more rebounds per game. He's got an assist, another an extra assist per game. And I think there might be a lot more opportunity for him to grow. And I think that coming down the end of the season, that's a spot that maybe like, you know, we can actually see a noticeable uptick in his output. Um, and I think that maybe that's something that we can kind of look at. Obviously, quickly, RJ kind of cut into some of the usage. Uh, and we know that. But at the same time, I think that if Siakam gets moved, that's a huge opportunity for Scotty Barnes to really kind of flourish and see a bigger jump in his stats closer to when voters are actually voting. Okay. Uh, do you want the, the whole Siakam thing? Because we can do the Siakam thing here uh, real quick. Just <laughs> you can do so it. Like, I know it, like, it's, it's interesting, it's, but yeah. Yeah, I, I've written a lot about it. Uh, here's what I've heard, okay? He will not – he is one of the rare players because it kind of has turned – the trend is not to quote unquote explore free agency. You find the team and you resign with them. Like you force your way to the team that you want to go to anyway, and then you just resign with them. So the I want to explore free agency stuff is, is largely over, which used to be you do the dinners and the walkthrough, and they have these like really big uh, presentations for you. My favorite being when the Knicks spent like a million dollars on an, a uh, video package for LeBron James, including <laughs> James Gandolfini as Tony Soprano, making the case for him Just kinda. <laughs> to come be a Nick. Uh, it was amazing. It's just incredible. I've heard some amazing stories of these, of these things. Uh, Blake Griffin, when the Clippers made this entire thing of walking Blake Griffin through like his hall of fame ceremony and then traded him that season. Uh, there's just like a bunch of amazing ones. Um, but see, Ackerman, from what I hear, sounds like he, that's what he wants. His number one, his number one thing is the money, yeah. which is why he wants to stay in Toronto and resign on a five-year deal. If that is not going to be the case, then it's like he'll play, but like you're gonna have to risk losing him for nothing. And the Pacers and the Kings are making a big to do about like, yeah, 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 we'll absolutely do that. I don't buy it. I just do not believe that those two front offices are willing to take that kind. Like you get that wrong. Like the Kings deal that was close was Herter, Mitchell, Davion Mitchell. Harrison Barnes, their most valuable trade ship, and a first for Siakam. And probably, I would say, I'm going to assume there's probably some, some either some seconds yeah. or conditional like first there as fit well. Anyway, with like Sabonis, but like besides the point. Whatever. Yeah. Like, you you, you lose Kevin Herter, a, a quality defender with upside in Davion Mitchell, and your veteran small forward 
and you get three months of Pascal Siakam, like that's that's yikes. That's yeah. tough. Um, Pacers, I think, are have a little bit more room to to wiggle, but they also like don't necessarily have a lot of stuff. I don't think that uh, the Raptors would love. I think yeah, like, it was like Bruce I Brown. Think, I think right, like he's like the major chip. Jalen. Uh, Jalen Smith, Smith, I think, yeah, is I think that there's, I think Jarrett, there's been word right? that that yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the one is I've heard and that he, they don't want to include Jarrett. Yeah. They don't want to include Jarrett Walker, and they don't. It's Jarrett Walker and um, Matherin are the two they don't want to include. So that makes it tough because when you're dealing with Masai, he's going to be like, "How about you give me Nemhart and Bruce Brown and Jarrett Walker and your firstborn child and literally the spine from your body." I just want to Shang Tsung you. That's that's what Messiah Jerry is looking for. So I think it's tough. I have I reported this. I will just say this. I do not completely believe that the Hawks are just out. Uh, I think the Hawks have projected that they're selling, and that's fine. I am not convinced that this ownership group is one to trust a clear line of direction. They added another pe- person to the kitchen this week in Chris Grant, now an executive advisor. There are so many people in that room, and I don't know who has, like, the say outside of Nick Ressler. Like, it's crazy. So, now all that's to say, um, with the the Raptors situation, if you don't think that the Raptors can make the playoffs with Pascal Siakam, you should not do this deal. Because you, like, or you should not bet on Barnes for most improved player because I don't think that um, you need to plan for the likelihood. I would still cap the, the Raptors at a minus number to keep Siakam based off of my understanding of the situation. Does that yeah. change anything with you? I mean, I think that they definitely, I think they can still make it like they're not like the bottom of the East is just kind of bad. Um, so it's like, if you yeah. are looking at them, like they're really, they're two games out of the play in in the loss column. So it's like, if you're in the play in, I think that's kind of close enough. Like, I think that's fine. Like, I don't think you need to necessarily be like a top six seed uh, right now. So, but I do think that there, I think that there's a little bit of value on the number just based on what I think the Raptors could do. um, And just the fact that he could have an even more expanded role uh, and see the numbers jump even more. I think that there is the jump already. And like, this is really just, the, like like I have a I have a big maxi ticket. I have a fourteen to one on maxi. So it's like for me, I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, if I'm gonna look at anybody, that's probably the spot that I might want to cover just because he can kind of jump up so high. Well, it's it's pretty uh, rare for me and Joe. I I almost ninety nine percent of the time see eye to eye with Joe and defer to him the other one percent usually. <laughs> but Scotty was actually the guy I came into this podcast with as like the to not bet right now. Because he's since IQ and RJ have come to town, he actually has because both those guys jumped in the starting lap. Yeah. His production's gone down, so he's averaging three and a half fewer points per game. He's taking two fewer field goal attempts a game. I think that if Siakam leaves town, there is the potential for that, but I don't think you have to bet that now because of that. I think you know the the number will move a little bit. The books are will will adjust if they do a trade where he goes out and there's no other you know, potential starting pieces coming in. But based on, you know, this previous trade with OG going out, like I, I think there's a decent chance that pieces would come back that would enter the rotation. So I this is a, a rare time that I'm I'm on the other side of this because I, I see Scotty as as a guy to avoid right now. Fair enough. Uh Jim, you see 
You mentioned you like some long shots. Who do you like? Yeah, the two that I like, there's one in that 80 to one that isn't Jalen Johnson, but it is a Jalen. It's Jalen Williams. Um, He's up to about 20 a game for the last month. Um, He he has a very similar case to Shingun, to be honest. He's he's not the best player on, uh, you know, a borderline playoff team, but he's the number two on the best team in the West right now. So if this is going to be... a season-long thing for the Thunder. I think we all think as long as Shea stays healthy, this team is very legitimate. He's the You can make a case for Chet being the second-best player, but in his rookie year, I, I think Jalen, if you watch the, the, the Thunder, Jalen is really, he is the number two right now. And the stats yeah. are starting to back it up a little bit. If he can get up to that 20 points a game average, um, that's a, a pretty notable jump um, for him. He is a little bit young to win this award. Um, so I, I think he's going to be in the conversation at the end of the year. Um, then the other one I really like though, is even longer. And I think even more potential for, for hopping up into the top two or three of this conversation. Again, he doesn't fit the bill in that he's a little bit young. He's a second year player. It's Paolo Bancaro who has been, you know, I talk about the last month. He's averaging 26, eight and five for the last month. And he's really, or not since the start of December, sorry, that's even longer than a month now that he's been putting up these numbers. He's helped the the magic kind of stabilize through this like crazy injury stretch that they've had. It hasn't, the, the award has not gone to a second year player in a really long time. They've kind of moved away from doing that in general. Um, and he has a, a higher baseline than I think Monte Ellis was the last to do it, who was coming from like seven points a game. But if you look at what Paolo is actually doing, he is he has improved a ton in terms of his efficiency, in terms of his all around impact on the game. He really is playing really strong ball. The Magic are another team that we, I think, like in the long run. So if they're in this yeah. postseason run and he has, you know, to his name, kind of been able to stabilize them during, you know, kind of high risk or a high risk, high injury stretches of the season. And he's averaging something like 25 points per game at the end of the season. It's going to be a case that's at least in the conversation. So at 250 to one, I don't mind, you know, you can't eat the CLV, but you, it can help you build a portfolio. Um, so those, those are the two long shots that I think whose numbers could go lower. I still think that this is kind of quietly a two-man race as well in Maxi and Shingun. I think those are really two really strong cases at the top. Um, but if you want to like look for pieces to maybe shrink their numbers by the end of the season, those are the two guys, Paolo and Jalen Williams, that I really like. The implied at minus 210 for Maxi is 67%. Is that too low, too high, or just right, Joe? I think that it feels right. Um, it's just like, like, I think that it's just, he has to do something demonstrably bad or get hurt to lose like that's the way that i see it like it's just i think that everybody like since the season started it was like yeah he's awesome and it just is like and then you see the numbers and the numbers are there i think it's going to be very hard to shake the narrative especially with philly being so good so i i think it's i think it's fair i like i i don't disagree with i, don't, I really don't disagree with the number and maxi being the consensus favorite i think it's low i think if you give him a 25 percent, i mean like how do you cap injury right yeah, how do you do that that's but like, that's, that's it you know, if you give him like a, a pretty normal, like even if we raise like the possibility of dr- of dramatic events occurring to 25%, I still think he's at like 75% to win this award. Yeah. Like I think my best bet's just still maxi at minus 210. I think that number's still short. Uh, Jim, is that too high, too low, just right? So my my gut was to say that it was too high actually. Um, but I think that Joe made a really good point that these are like, I think that's me thinking in a box instead of thinking this is an award and it really matters to to kind of like before the season everyone's like oh maxi's in perfect position to win this 
now he's fulfilling the promise that those people, you know, it's confirmation bias on steroids. Um, and Maxi's only missed one game. So he really does have leeway, even if he's, you know, got a sprain that lasts a couple weeks. Like there is leeway in these awards. Like we, we keep talking about, you need 65 games, 17 missed games is you could, that's actually a pretty good chunk. And if you're a player who's now, basically playing now every night, now. Huge chunk. yeah, now yeah. Like crazy. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I, I think that I, in theoretically it's a little bit high because I think Shingun has a really strong case, but I think Joe makes a really good point that like, this is the, the person we wanted to give this award to, and he has fulfilled everything that has been asked of him. And that that matters in, in, uh, a, a market in which is driven by voting and people's voting specifically. Uh, the last thing I'll kind of say here is if, if you ask me for like the long shot value, the only one I would really have is Kobe white because, Kobe's another guy that's like under the radar, but if you talk to the obsessives, like Kobe actually fits a lot of the categories for this award, which is a guy that was just kind of a dude and then became a primary component, improved in every single area, and the Bulls have been better to the point of like being playoff viable. Like they might make the playoffs. Like that's a possibility. And that's like a really big component in all of this. It's the reason why the Jalen Johnson thing I think is insane is just like (laughs) no one knows who he is and they won't learn because he's not going to make the playoffs. Like Jalen Johnson's probably more likely to be resting the last month of the season than he is to be like out there and and actually competing. Now I say that, like I I talk all, I, I say all of those things. And then you look at the standings and are like, Oh, that's right. The bulls are 19 and 22. Uh, the Hawks are 15 and 23. They are two and a half games apart in the standings. So it's not that big of a, of a difference, but um, I do think that if I had about one, one long shot, it'd be Kobe white. But I do think I am on the, I am of the position that Tyrese Maxey minus 210, even laying that minus 210, I still think that's short. And so that would be my best bet for right now. Um, all right, let's get to wrap it up for buckets. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow with best bets with Jay and Andrew O'Connor Watts. Thanks for joining us. You can catch Jim Turvey on Twitter and in the Action Network app at Turvey Pets. Joe Delera is at Joe Delera, D-E-L-L-E-R-A. I'm at HP Basketball. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. Till then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.